want some help? No, I'm good. Seriously. Let him help. Bag at home when things got uh... except this one's not meant to keep out people. Hey everybody, I'm Rima. Hey and I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Lost in Space. Today we'll be covering the fourth episode from Lost in Space titled The Robisons Were Here. But first, a word from this week's sponsor, BZRK Audio. Oh, Remo, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, but if you want to improve the sound of your car speakers, this is the place to look. It's affordable and it's high quality. It is BZRKAudio.com. So these they offer great audio tweeters that are a great upgrade for your stock speakers, and they'll give you some nice clarity and detail to voice, string, horns, and even more. Uh, you can find these out on Amazon, eBay, or you can just go to BZRK audio.com to find out all the greatness for the, these tweeters uh so just remember when you go to bzrk audio go berserk berserk thanks guys thanks bzrk audio that's awesome gotta have some good audio man because i don't oh, know about yeah. you but you know i like to jam out when i'm in my car so it's yeah. important to have some good sound and if it's too loud you're too old <laughs> <laughs> And with that being said, let's jump into our top five. And this week, Sean, why don't you take it off with? I was like, okay, don't take it off. Um, why don't you start us off with All right, number Rima, five? I'm taking this week off. Give me the top ten. <laughs> no, so for my oh. my first uh, pick, my first uh, item on this, my number five is the different life forms, the new life forms that we get to see on this uh, this planet. So mm-hmm. the first ones that we're exposed to is the the families getting to the other crashed uh, uh, Jupiter. We see the them reviewing and looking over these rock bugs, and I think there's only like one or two. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool because the guys like, oh my gosh, like you know we're you know so many miles away, but like it, life is still similar. You know, it had fear, it had like pleasure sensors. Uh, it was just kind of cool to see like this is the this is like the first real life form that we've seen um, mm-hmm. in this show. Uh, we also get to see some pretty cool purple light, which looked kind of similar to like a uh, uh, jellyfish to me. Yeah, uh, they look like floating jellyfish, just not in the water. Exactly. Yeah. So I was kind of like, yep. well, at first I was like, well, these like their version of the Northern Lights, uh, but it ended up being like you know the the jellyfish. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like in this world, like what if these are like piranhas? You know, like <laughs> everybody seemed a little bit more calm around all these different uh, new life forms than I think I would be. Because you don't know. I mean, it's, you know, like those rock things, like a bunch of them appeared after they walked away. I was like, oh, shit, are these going to like attack them or, or what? And like these jellyfish things, are they going to like, you know, shoot laser beams out of their eyes? Like you have no idea what could happen. Yeah, there there's truth to that. We, I think we've seen before, not necessarily in this show, but other shows where something some type of alien type of creature looks you know fairly innocent but then turns out to be pretty fierce and ominous and can kill you or bite you <laughs> so <laughs> you never know yeah and it, like poisonous like i know uh like you talk are they i guess signs was this this way but like water is poisonous to to life forms 
So because yeah, of how this those chem- aliens. Yeah, because how this chemical makeup is like your body just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There was the the sound flowers I thought were really cool. That was super cool. Um, again, I was concerned. I was like, oh god, like what's going to happen here? Uh, but you know, I like that they sprinkled in these things, and nothing was really like th- threatening to this point. Because uh, mm-hmm. then you had the big roar in the background of this big scary predator that was stalking them. Uh, but the robot did his, you know, his deed and scared scared <laughs> it away. He did a good impression. Scared that whatever that creature. We didn't really get a good look at it, but um, I don't I don't know that we needed to. But uh, it sounded fearsome. <laughs> yeah, it sounded ferocious, and uh, you got to see a little bit of uh, the robot's red come out in that. And yeah. it kind of made everybody a little bit nervous, but then he went back to, to the silver and he raised his arms in the air like Will did whenever Woo-hoo! he, uh, yeah, like celebrate, which was pretty <laughs> cool. Uh, and the last thing is, I don't know, it, it was kind of just a, a throwaway a little bit, but as they're in the cave, the Robinsons are making their Robinsons were here sign. And they're talking about how they're just small blips in this universe, but they made it here. But mm-hmm. she was talking about the dirt that they used to paint on that was the same type of dirt that was created for like the earliest cave paintings that are known. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, like all this, you know, distance away, there's still like the same kind of components that exist, you know, in a different, I don't know if they're in a different galaxy at this point, but definitely a, a different, you know, planet. Yeah, I, I think. There were that's a theme that we were seeing throughout this show was was this unity um, unity theme that at least the, the that I got out of it with as Penny was talking about this mud dirt stuff that wasn't just here present on on this current planet I don't it ha- doesn't have a name yet but the the planet that they're on and it was also on on Earth when the ancient cave dwellers were making their, you know, signs and stuff in the caves and how that kind of unifies them to where they are. There were, I thought, themes of unity when you mentioned those floating jellyfish Mm -hmm. that made those beautiful lights in the sky. And you see everybody, you know, looking at them. Everybody's taking a moment to look at them, you know, wherever they are dispersed out into, uh, you know, in the different places that they are. It kind of unified them just for a moment because they're all looking at them at the same time and and looking at them in this moment of beauty. And that kind of unified everybody. They didn't know it really, but it kind of, you know, just for a moment unified them and everyone seemed to kind of be in sync. And um, it seemed to be kind of a little bit of a theme that I noticed. That's kind of like the the moon when people are like, oh, you know, even though we're miles apart, if you look up and see the moon, it's the same moon that I'm looking at. Right. We're staring at the same moon. Yeah, that, that connection, even when you're miles apart. Yeah, I liked, I liked all of that. So really good points. Although we did see those eels. That wasn't really necessarily this oh, episode yeah, was the point. first. Yeah, we did them. see the eels, and those weren't so nice creatures. Um, they they kind of, I mean, they probably didn't mean to be that way. They're just looking for food. So um, they didn't try to really eat anybody, but they, they didn't serve a very good purpose for the, the survivors there. But yeah, really good point. I like all that. I noticed some of those same things and I liked that. But I feel like they were, it was it was funny to see uh, Hiroki, who's this alien exobiologist. Uh, I, I really like seeing him kind of geek out yeah, over yeah. That, those little life forms because it's like he's an older fella, um, but he's just like all just giggly that, oh, look at this little life form. And it's so cool to see how, you know, um, you know, yes, they're ex- exuding like um, pleasure and fear and so that was super cute how he got all geeked out about that and excited about it. And you can tell that he's a real like explorer at heart mm-hmm. and enjoys like discovering these new things. So that was, I thought, super fun. <laughs> so good number five. I liked it. 
So my number five is Don West. So it's certainly not our first introduction to Don West. Um, he has been uh, in, in a few episodes, but we haven't got very much of him. Uh, we, but we did get a little bit of him. We get a lot more of him in this episode. He's still got his chicken. Yeah. Uh, Debbie. Debbie. Great He's name for a chicken. Dane- <laughs> Great. I don't know why everybody doesn't have a chicken named Debbie. I don't know, but I find it absolutely adorable. Um, I do like the chicken. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Chicken seem fun. I wish I had a place for chickens. Um, but I, th- I thought it was kind of interesting, and I'm wondering if you make the same observation. I, I was as I was reading online about this episode and trying to look up some items um, for this episode, I noticed somewhere online, and I can't remember the source of who it was, so I do apologize. I don't remember where it came from, and I don't take credit for it myself, but I heard someone mention or saw it somewhere in an article. Someone was calling him the Han Solo of Lost in Space. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> got that gist. He's a smuggler. I mean, he, we, we see in this that he's got a, a whiskey that he's bringing over to the new world. Um, mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's a dry planet that's why he's smuggling in and making some cash money um they have everything but this and yeah. i'm gonna be bringing it in it's prohibition on <laughs> alpha centauri <laughs> but yeah because he's made that trip a few times and i guess he knows the uh the buckets he can like dump out and throw the throw the beer and all the booze in and you know it's it's if he's stuck on the planet back home i mean he talked about like wanting to stay there earlier you know on the beaches of miami even though they weren't as nice they were still the beaches of miami yep absolutely yep i thought that they definitely made a good point i don't know i guess i would have at least caught his swagger his cocky attitude and you mentioned yes he's a smuggler um i i just don't know if i would have made that same kind of comparison but i think that that's just his character in general cuz if i remember like i said i don't have any reference in regards to the original uh, TV show that aired back in the day. But in the movie, that was, yes, a total piece of crap, even though I, I kind of liked it. I'm going to admit, I kind of liked it because I kind of like crappy movies. Don't you just love sometimes a good crappy yeah. movie? And Lost in Space movie was definitely pretty crappy, but it was kind of good crappy, if that makes any sense. Um, Matt LeBlanc played the the part of Don West okay. in the movie and, that, and he I guess that's the actual pilot of the ship in the show I think so I mean uh, because I don't have any reference to the original and I honestly haven't looked it up to see how closely this new show follows the old one and how closely the movie followed it so I only that's my only point of reference but yes he was the pilot in the movie um And, you know, he's kind of got that whole pilot attitude, kind of like Han Solo. He's kind of cocky. He's a little arrogant. Um, Not necessarily a bad guy or anything, but, you know. He's got like a Top Gun, you know. uh, Sure. What's the, not not Tom Cruise, but the other one, cockiness. Iceman. Yeah. Iceman, Val Kilmer. (laughs) Before he got fat. (laughs) Hey, you guys remember when I was Batman? Oh, my gosh. Love Val Kilmer, man. He was so, he's so great. It's, it's. You know, I think he's had some health issues. We're just going to let him go and, and give him a pass. But um, God, there was no no one else better to play Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, that point. was the most brilliant, underrated performance. And I'm sorry that was on a little bit of a tangent. But if you bring up Bell Camera, I'm going to talk about that. Real genius, also really great movie. Go see it if you haven't seen it already. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm curious if you think. If he's trustworthy, this Don West, like he he is part of the mission. He he's this. Oh, what what, what was he like? A maintenance guy or an engineer like type, of, type of type of guy? Thing, yeah, yeah. So he's a part of this mission. So he can't be. I don't think all bad, but 
he's still like somehow stolen stuff and trying to uh, smuggle it into Alpha Centauri and was clearly not very smart about it because uh, Maureen made a really good point about, well, why didn't you put this, put that crap in those, uh-huh. the boxes with all the cups? They were looking for the synthesizers. And I love the line too. I wrote it down. He says, like, uh, John asked, was like, you knew the synthesizers weren't here. You know, why'd you make us come out here? And he's like, well, to my credit, like, I didn't know what they were to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Good line. Yeah, I like that too. There's it's pretty good writing on this show. I got to look up these writers, but yeah, that was really good and she made a really good point. So, you know, he he I don't think quite thought that through. It was a good point that she made because, you know, hey, we might need this tech stuff. He may not know what it is, but yeah, I, hey, it looks kind of technical. I thought about that. I mean, this is trip 25. I don't know how many of the trips he's made. Let's say he's only made 5 of them. He's mm, probably yeah. done that at least 5 times. So, True. you know, it's it's been successful up to that point. You know, he's like, well, how often have we ever needed a synthesizer? But there's always somebody going in to try fi- trying to find one damn cup to drink out of. Right. That's true. People lose their cups, right? Mm-hmm. Misplace them. Anyway, and I'm curious, do you think that he told so he was for, he was found or discovered or came across? However, I can't remember if that was made clear in this episode. He was found by Hiroki. Um, or he's now with Hiroki and these and this group of survivors here. They're Jupiter. Do you think he told them about Doctor Smith, his experience, uh, and that what happened? I don't know. I mean, I could see this being the kind of guy that would keep that pretty close to to the his chest mm-hmm. because he wants to run back into Doctor Smith. Like I could see that being like his goal. Not really, I guess his goal, but he's probably dealt with people like this before that are you know con artists that are you know terrible people and he's like mm-hmm. i'm alive i'm safe i'm going to try and find her to get give it back to her just as bad mm. like he, that's a good point i could see them like meeting and being like oh hi i'm don west and like and like I, pretending yeah exactly and yeah. holding it on to when he can play that trump card yeah because it didn't seem to come up at all it wasn't like because he didn't tell john and marine um, it didn't appear that it came up in the conversation when when they were all talking and congregating and talking about trying to contact the Resolute and using going and finding that synthesizer. It never seemed to come up. Not that it necessarily needed to, but it never came up as a part of conversation like, oh, by the way, there seems to be a sinister person you know, running around. You might want to be on the lookout for well, this person or something. And I mean, technically, he doesn't really... I mean, I think it'd be a little of a stretch for him to be like, oh my gosh, that is a, a sinister, terrible, evil, like evil person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because all he could probably think is like, oh, like if if I was a little bit less moral, I would have done the same thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she knew that he wasn't going to leave uh, that girl behind or the chicken. So it was, <laughs> you know, she, you know, you could see that, like, playing that. I was like, you know, she's just trying to look out for herself. And she knew knew that I would try to stick with her the whole time and, and you know, push myself and hold her back. Do you think it might also be that he didn't want to admit he'd been one-upped by a woman? Uh, that, uh, uh, maybe. Like, I she got the better of me? I don't and know. Because he, I think, thinks he's super clever. I, I do agree. I think he's super he clever. He can't be like, oh, I can't let, I can't admit to someone that I let someone else outsmart me, woman or not, yeah, whether it's a woman thing or, but you know, oh, I can't admit that someone outsmarted me because I'm so clever. I could see definitely just the person. I, we haven't really gotten a good uh, like groundwork of like how that is in this world. Like, 
even in today's age, I'm sure there's still quite of old fuddy duds who are like, oh, I can have a woman outshine me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm totally not that way because I do a podcast with you and you outshine me every week. So I'm completely <laughs> fine <up>. with it. <laughs> Shut up. But I'm curious to see like how that plays out in this universe. Like, is it so far in the future that's like, yeah, I mean, I got tricked by a woman. Like, it's not even a second thought. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, we haven't really gotten those, uh, those rules in this universe yet. Um, right. But the, the person aspect, I could definitely see it. Like, he's like, he's the dude that, you know, is, Got the extra cards up his sleeve. He's the dude that's, you know, pulling the fast one. And here he is where he's like, well, shit, I just got caught with my pants down. Yep. And he doesn't want to admit that Mm. to anyone. So I'm wondering if that's maybe why he hasn't told anyone. Or at least it it didn't come out that he's told anyone, at least that we know of in this episode anyway, now that people are starting to kind of come together. Um, So it's just interesting. I want to get your thoughts on that. So that's my number five. This actually is my number two. Um, so I'll kind of uh, add a little extra to it. Because like what you're talking okay. about, I kind of feel like he probably has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Because oh, yeah? even in this universe, uh, there's have and have nots. Like he he's the guy that can help people get to this, uh, you know, awesome planet. He doesn't mm-hmm. get to stay, though. Like he's just yeah. he's just taking people back and forth. So He's I, like a worker bee or something. Yeah, and I, I kind of feel like he's probably got that chip on his shoulder. Like, oh, well, I do all these things and I outsmart people because – I have to prove myself maybe a little bit. Um, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where I think of like that's why he's doing this whiskey because, you know, he's selling it to people who probably feel like they have a higher morality than everybody else. But yet here they are drinking all this hooch and, you know, paying top dollar for it. Right. And you kind of pick up on that a little bit whenever they were having the discussion uh, kind of towards the end there when they're all back in the chariot and that representative of the colony of Alpha Centauri, (laughs) his name is Victor, I believe it was, whenever they were like, um, John, you know, kind of looks back at, at, at Don and says, I voted for the other guy. And he's like, "Uh, I didn't even get to vote. Yeah. So, which is made me question, which maybe it will be more clear about the structure of society. Like, do you, do you not have a right? To, do you have to be a certain class level? Is there a, a, like a class or, you know, caste system in the society that you have to be a certain, you know, uh, level or something to be able to vote? Because I'm like, well, how did you not even get to vote? How do you not have the, the right to vote or whatever? Um so um, that made me curious. And then when he makes the comment about, well, Alpha Centauri isn't all that you think it is, uh, you know, it looks like paradise, you know, and of course, we always think anything that looks that good, it's always kind of too good to be true. But when he's like, you know, it's not what you'd expect. And even though it should be great, it's like people are still people yeah. and they still bring every, all the drama and crazy with them that every <laughs> you know, problem people that bring. you thought you were leaving, they bring with them. And I like that there was a little moment between uh, Marine and Will, or Marine and John, as they kind of looked at each mm-hmm. other like, oh, like that's exactly what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> Trying to escape our shit yeah. and go somewhere else, but you can't run from it. It still catches up with you for uh, sure. But the only other thing, I mean, Don West had a lot of good lines. And the other one I had is that he says, he's like, I'm on record for hating meteors. <laughs> like, good to know, Don. Good to know. Thank you for that contribution. Yeah. he. I, I, I like him, even though he's got that little bit of, you know, I don't, try to compare him to Han Solo because Han Solo is Han Solo, okay? Mm. And there's only one Han Solo. But I'll give him, you know, he seems to pull off, you know, that that whole attitude and swagger and, you know, that, um, you know, uh, tries to maybe be a bad bad boy but yet yeah. has a good heart kind of thing, you know? It's the, so I'll, the I'll tough give it exterior to but he's a big fluffy teddy bear on the inside. 
Right. Hey, he saved the chicken. He did. You know, so and, come on. And he, every, in every moment, he tries to tell people, it's like, well, I saved it. Like, think, well, wait till you see how hungry I am and how nice I am that chicken. And then like, oh, exactly. well, the chicken's my lucky chicken and I saved it because it has a beacon on it. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't know, Exactly. Dude. He tries to pull it off, but anyway, yeah, I do like him. But that was just my number two, so I was just adding a few extra things on there. But but my nice. number four, uh, I've just titled Road Trip. Road so Trip! At first, I was kind of like, okay, and I think I kind of realized later in this episode why this wasn't the case, but I'm like, Mama and Papa need some alone time, right? <laughs> and I'm like, that's <laughs> yes. what's going on here. It's like, we're going on a road trip, kids. You guys stay here. But then like they showed Judy in the background, and I was like, okay, well, why they take Judy? <laughs> And quickly I find out I, – I, I must have missed it, but, you know, she is a doctor who's 18, yep. so she's, you know, through med school. Uh, but we kind of find out through this road trip experience that it sounds like Mama and Papa might be living in separate houses. And yeah. there might be two Christmases now. Mm-hmm. Um, two sets of presents, two Christmases, two yeah. houses. <laughs> he wanted to live close, but not sure if they would live close. And we get all this through kind of their drunken stupor. So, you know, they're sitting there alone and drinking. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So, like, you know, like sometimes, like, you're in stressful situations. You just want to get with your sweet honey and just, like, you know, roll around in the hay on a foreign planet. <laughs> uh, but that's not what happens. I mean, it even cued it up. They're talking about their honeymoon. Honeymoon. How they got yeah. lost. It's like all those sweet, sweet things of like, oh, yeah, like cue the Barry Manilow. Don, you stay in the, the you know, stay over there, earmuffs and eye muffs and all the other stuff. There's some stuff that's going to happen. But we get hit in the gut that we are going to see these two probably getting divorced. Yeah. Gosh, Sean, I don't know where you're at. Two weeks in a row, you got you're talking lesbian <laughs> stuff with Maureen and um, and Doctor Smith, and now you're talking about mom and dad at alone time. Well, Goodness I mean, gracious, they're adults. It's you know they've been on a ship. It's true. You know they probably have very little alone time, and you know it's clearly what? I've been alone too long because you're talking <laughs> road trip and alone time, and I'm thinking road trip and mixtape. <laughs> That's what I was missing. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. <laughs> Clearly, my priorities are a little off. Um, but the only thing that kind of I still can't quite get Marine because you know during this situation we find out that she found a letter, mm-hmm. and the letter was saying something to the effect that John lied about being called back into the service. He basically like volunteered himself, right? And. I don't know if if they're trying to play on just this is Marine's character or if it, if it's a deeper type you know push that they're trying to make, but you know I, I can totally understand like if you have a significant other's like listen I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna volunteer myself for the betterment of man by you know putting myself back in you know the, the service to people like that's super honorable super brave and to me like if 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 that's like to me John said that hey I got called back because he didn't want. <clears throat> I don't know the best way to put it. It seems like he doesn't want to burden them with like that was his choice. Like they want he wanted it to seem to the family that was a forced thing. He had no way to do anything about it. That that was tough and I I feel like we're just finally starting to get some pieces of this puzzle cuz I'm I'm still not sure that I'm clear on what happened with John and Maureen. 
you know, back on earth before all of this happened. You know, we, we saw them, we get to see them happy and Christmas. He, he surprises his family when he comes home and then we see them separated at Christmas. And at first you think, well, it's just because he's deployed, but then you start to, you know, just by how they're acting and things that they're saying that, well, you know, yes, he is, but he's also not coming around when you think he's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start to see, oh, there's some cracks. There's some some issues. And then we see more where they're not divorced, but they're going through some sort of unofficial separation. There hasn't been anything official. They're just kind of like, well, we're just not living together, but we're not divorcing. And she needs his permission, you know, to take the kids on the mission and such. And of course he joins them. But we don't really... I feel ever find out what happened. It's like, well, okay. So was it just, you guys just grew apart and you know, you just thought, well, okay, so you're going to be here and I'm going to be here. But then this, you know, catastrophic event happens here on earth. And, and now I want to take the kids. I have this opportunity. I'm going to take the kids. And then now they're, where we are today. And I thought it was just kind of sad. It's because it seems like they had this really sweet moment. Like you said, they're kind of having a couple, sh- you know, shots there and they're having a sweet moment. Ooh, that bottle you know, gone. yeah, did they, she, they're did, having a good time. Did she take a drink out of it? So she did. Okay. Mm-hmm. At one point, and I don't know if it was just how she was standing in the scene. She was very clearly holding her stomach. And I had a thought of like, is Uh-oh. she pregnant? Oh, I would. Well, I don't know. And I, I don't remember if she drank from the bottle, though. I thought I saw her when they were because I remember thinking um, as they're sitting, they're leaning against that. Uh, I guess it was after the satellite had fallen on them. And they're, uh, I had seen her take a, bo- a drink from the bottle and then hand it like pass it okay. over to John. So I'm pretty sure I saw her at least drink the one time. Okay. And so let's hope that that's yeah. Um, I don't I don't see this show going into like a dark place of her drinking while pregnant. So it could have been just right. how she was standing. It could be. It could be. Maybe she was just kind of catching herself a little bit. Maybe she had a little bit too much to drink, and she was kind of steadying herself Maybe. a little yeah, bit yeah. or taking that breath. Like, whoo! I might have had a little <laughs> bit too much to drink. <laughs> Not that I know anything about that, but I thought that was just a really sweet moment between them that they were able to like you know, share that lovely memory of them getting lost in their honeymoon and that sweet moment and getting to hear about that. I thought was really sweet because it looked like they're, despite the differences that they've had, um, they, they seem to do care about each other and, and did, you know, have some sweet times together and, you know, do care for each other. And then of course it seems like all of a sudden she snaps out of it to then remember, yes, that letter that we hadn't heard about before. And I think that this was just a classic case of both of them because she gets this letter and realizes, like you mentioned, he wasn't being deployed. Like, you know, kind of like what it is for the military today where our, our guys are and women are told here, you have to go here and you have to be gone for six months or however long. And you don't have a choice where you go. Um, he was asking. So she was hurt by this and, she didn't ask him to say because he's like, well, you could have asked me to stay. And I think it was just a classic case of some breakdown in communication that she was too prideful because she's like, if you don't want to be with us because you're asking to leave, I'm not going to ask you to stay. And then he sees it. If if she finds out about this letter, but you didn't ask me to stay, then what's keeping me from going? Uh, so it's just this, I think this classic case that sometimes happens in relationships where they're both of them are too prideful to actually look at each other and communicate yeah. And, and, and one is, they're both just kind of assuming, 
you know, about the other. And I think it's just unfortunate. And, and I think that's kind of what we were witnessing there. And I, I don't know. I hope, I hope these two, I, I mean, I haven't watched anything past this episode, but I hope these two <laughs> somehow find their way back together. I think they're sweet. But anyway, that, that was totally kind of just jumping into <laughs> what you had said. I kind of hijacked that a little bit. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that was just my number four is just kind of tidying into this road trip. Road trip. Robinson family road trip. Yeah. They did need a mixtape, by the way. That's you got to have a good, you got to have a good playlist. Uh, I call it mixtape because that's my day, but I guess it's a playlist now, right? Spotify um, playlist. Oh, I'm so behind the times. I mean, I have a playlist, but you know, I still call it mixtape. Anyway, my number four, um, we kind of talked about them a little bit, are the other survivors that we finally get to meet. So we found out about the other survivors, but this time we actually get to meet them. So we got to meet Hiroki and his family. We learned that he, yes, was an alien exobiologist and they're wanting to keep the robot a secret, you know, because they're like, they're afraid that this is going to spread rampant. But she's like, well, he's like literally an expert and he might be able to help us, you know, with this robot, but they decide to keep it quiet. So I don't know about the rest of the family and what they can do and what their um, uh, expertise is exactly on, on the missions. Um, but I'm interested to find out. And, you know, then they took in and found Don West. So he's a part of their little group. They have found out that all the ships, there are other Jupiters that are out there. 13 and, total, right? I thought they said. Yeah, with... Yep, including the Robinson's Jupiter, it did, yes, include, it was 13 in total. So, yep, good job for remembering that because I didn't write that down. Um, and it's due, they are all stranded because it looks like everyone was affected by those eels that consumed mm, their yeah, fuel. Yeah. So, no one can take off because no one has any fuel. They don't know yet that they can't contact the Resolute until John and, and Maureen uh, find uh, find the uh, satellite there from the Resolute. But they also come across some other survivors, which were, looks like, what's his name? VJ. He's the son of this Victor guy who is the representative of Alpha Centauri. And it sounds like he's like a president or something. Um what did they call him? I'm trying to look in my notes and I cannot find it, but he's like the representative. Yeah. Sounds like he's yeah. the equivalent, I, I guess, of like a president. Uh, that I don't know. I mean, he was voted into whatever office it is that he's occupying. So I'm equating it to something like a prime minister, something like a president or something like that. And I don't know if it's just um, for the ship part of it to take there or if it's like if once he gets there, he's the representative or, or what? Well, and when Penny and them ran into this group as they were taking the robot to the cave, she did, because he's like, I'm going to tell my dad. And she's like, you're not going to do anything. She's like, your dad, you know, is in charge on Alva Centauri and we're not there yet. So you're going to keep quiet. So it sounds like I get, I mean, she's kind of right and probably a little misguided at that point, but um, it sounds like. He was on his way there, I guess. Maybe he had been voted in and just wasn't there yet. Maybe he was going back and forth between Alpha Centauri. And that seems like quite a damn trip. Because yeah. what they say, 26 trillion Yeah, miles. I don't know. How, I don't know the time frame for that. But you got to think it's at least, what, six to months to a year? Like, it's got to no be. No thanks. No thanks. I don't do well Although, on trips like that. you know that. what? All those people in Alpha Centaurus, their abs were very well defined. <laughs> very well defined. Thanks to Penny pointing that out. Yeah, that was hilarious. I love Penny mm -hmm. so much. And she just cracks me up every time. I I hope everyone else is enjoying her and um, like I am because she's she's adorable and reminds... I, I see a little bit of... of 
myself in her and maybe that's why I like her so much, but she's absolutely adorable. Yeah. If you want good abs, go to Alpha Centauri. Yep. It looks like they got a good athletic program. It's gotta be the gravity <laughs> or something, just the way it pulls on you. Like you, <laughs> like, you know what? That would get me to make the trip. Like, listen, all we have here is pizza and Chinese food and Mexican and like all the best foods and everybody has six pack abs because I mean, it's just how it is. I would do burpees all day long if there was less gravity on Alpha Centauri <laughs> than what there is on Earth. Do one burpee burns like a thousand calories. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. But that's my number four is just finally we kind of get an introduction. We're kind of expanding the world outside of the, you know, the Robinson family. And I find that interesting. I think you have to kind of expand out. And it's always fun to see fresh new characters and what you know, that's going to tell in the story as we move along. So I like them so far. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, now that we have another mix um, outside the Robinsons. All right. So my number three is uh, Alpha Centaurus. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned that like the politics, it seems like there's a lot of politics still involved in this new world. Yeah. Um, you know, like they had this representative, Victor, who obviously the Robinsons don't like and they didn't vote for. So you're kind of, you know, trying to weigh like, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And Don is is very much th- kind of says in too. It's like, listen, all the problems that you had on Earth, people bring them here. Like they think they're coming to this world that's going to be great and fantastic, and it's just the same except with a better atmosphere and better abs. Right? You can breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can breathe, and everybody's got abs. <laughs> but you know, you kind of wonder how much of this was similar to like the New World back when you know. I, I think I've mentioned this a bunch, but. You know, as people came from, you know, England and Europe and all that over to the New World, it was the same idea. It's like, oh, well, we're going to travel all this distance and mm-hmm. we're going to settle this new land and it'll be just the greatest thing ever. And then you get there and it's like, oh, wow, winters are really cold here. That's a lot more snow than I'm used to. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's a lot bigger animals that like to eat people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really curious. I don't know if this show will ever take us to to this planet, but I'm curious to see what we get there. Uh, but you know, just a couple notes I had on this. So they show the tutorial videos as they're starting to do the expansion piece of it, and it really felt like the old high school videos of like you and your body. <laughs> you yes. know, like I'm waiting for them to be like, you know, there will be times where you'll find your neighbor attractive, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, the whole rock thing was kind of annoying to me. Uh, so they, they, well, they do the expansion thing and like the thing hits the rock. I just kind of feel like that was something you should have seen before expanding. It's like a quick look around. Yeah. Like, all right, I got six foot clearance on this side. Nope. Rocks in the way. Rocks in the way. It was cute moving him and the robot moving it together. That was pretty cute. Yes, I I will give you that one. I thought the same thing when I watched it. I was like, and, and you see the little obstruction and can't expand or whatever that little warning. And uh, <laughs> then you see the rock, and I was like, really? You didn't go out <laughs> yeah. and take a look before you did that? Just a once over, kid. That's all it would take. Yeah, but they are kids. Yeah. I don't know. You know, they're left just you know by themselves doing that. So I, I'll give them that but i do agree with you i thought that tail's like come on go take a look around yeah you know you've been out there they've been out there putting out that perimeter fence that big rock is right in front <laughs> of you although my kid's not old enough so i'm sure it's gonna run so it's like well didn't you look to see what was in the dishwasher no <laughs> it's true oh my goodness yeah kids kids are the worst like if if you go ask them to look for something well, did you find it? No, but you go and look and it's like right there in front of him. <laughs> if it was a snake, it would have bit him for crying out loud. So yeah, it uh, was cute watching them move it though. And the other note, it's kind of tied to this. It's not really Alpha Centaurus, but 
Dr. Smith, while she was watching them move the rock and watching the robot, she was sitting in like a very sexy pose. What was that? Where she was lying on the ramp, like someone should have been like, like, uh, cooling her off with those feathers, those big feathers, I and bet, you know, feeding I, her grapes. I bet what it was is she saw the robot drawing, and she's like, "Oh, robot, robot, paint me like one of your French girls." <laughs> we'll go back inside. You can't see this. <laughs> she thinks the robot is sexy too, just like uh, everyone on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, she. I think she's got a little hunkering for that robot. Yeah, sexy robot. She that that was peculiar because I thought, why aren't you just like sitting? I don't know, just sitting normally. The way she's posed is just a little weird. I imagine it has no meaning to the to the show. It's probably just the situation. Like the the director's like, uh, just sit comfortably. She's just like thump, (laughs) (laughs) strike a pose. I'm ready for my close up, Mister Deville. So what's your thoughts on this this new planet? Like are you suspicious of it? Do you think it's the, you know, the the Garden of Eden or do you just think it's another place? Oh man, I am suspicious of everything. I am so cynical and suspicious that, you know, as we see as we already kind of mentioned Hiroki you know, checking out these little creatures that look like rocks and just start coming alive. And he's just so happy and excited. And I, and I love that because I totally nerd out and geek out about things like that too. And they make me really excited. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, dude, just because they look all cute and you're excited about exploring or discovering new life forms on this new planet that has never been charted or discovered or nobody knows anything about, I would be I would have my guard up at least a little bit because I'd be afraid that thing would start spitting on me mm. or you know um you know because hey I I think about those cute little dinosaurs in Jurassic Park they're yeah. real little and oh, they're they're I was thinking of the one that kind spit. of yeah, the one that spit. They're they're maybe not real little. They're not the tiny little ones, but the about but the medium size. You know, when the guy oh, yeah. comes out running through the mud and his his jeep is is stuck and he's trying to get the rope and everything around the tree and it comes out from behind there. I don't know the name. I don't know the names of all the dinosaurs. Just my favorites. Um, but he's kind of cute. Looks kind of innocent. And he's like, "Oh, you're not so scary." And all of a sudden, his little things flare out and he spits on him and goes blind. And I'm like, dude. You should always just be on your guard a little bit. So I don't know. I mean, it looks pretty, but I think that things that look pretty aren't always, you know, um, mean that well. So I think it's it's nice. It looks pretty. I think that they filmed this, I thought, in like the Northwest somewhere, hmm. you know, in the big forest and stuff, I oh, think yeah. is where they were, they had filmed, which looks pretty familiar in that forestry kind of atmosphere. So that makes sense. I think it's beautiful scenery. I'm just not as trustworthy. I would be waiting for something at every turn to kill me. Yeah. That's just me, though. Well, that's something like, like you're seeing videos. You're It's a long ways away. Like you can't just go to visit. You can come back like you're stuck there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's beauty to be seen. We did see the beautiful, those jellyfish looking creatures illuminating the sky. I think it was beautiful. But, you know, like I said, it's not always just because it's beautiful that it, it's innocent. Um, and not somehow poisonous or, or going to try to eat you. I just always assume something's going to eat me or try to kill me or something until proven otherwise. Words you are guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> Don't trust right. animals. <laughs> I mean, and I'm an animal lover, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, seriously, but it does. It's like, yeah, you got to show me you're not going to try to kill me or eat me. I've got two Chipugwas. They're like 
six and a half pounds. There's one that I know she licks me every morning hoping I don't wake up so she can eat me. That's just how they are. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I do love things that could try to eat me. Polar bears are my favorite wild animal oh, of all time. Cool. Um, I, I'm a huge advocate for polar bears and love them more than anything. But I am quite aware that um, one, if it's hungry enough, will try to eat me. I'm OK with that. Um, I accept that. I don't love them any less. <laughs> um, so but, you know, I am at least aware of it, that they are still a wild animal. All right, so that is see you did your number three, right? Yep, so, so that's your my number, three, number three. I think. All right, so this one I feel is like going to be a long one because I have uh, just this fleeting love for the robot. Oh, okay. And that's what I'm going to talk about. I just I love this robot, and I, you know, he I know he's not a pet. He to me feels like a person. I feel like he does have intelligence. He seems to to be adaptive. He can adapt to his environment. He is observant and he's learning. You know, he, um, and I love that Will can also see the robot for something more than just being a robot. He treats him like a person and mm-hmm. not a thing. You know, he sees, he, he can kind of see, because he tells Judy, he's like, he's, he's more like us than what you think that he is. And I think that that speaks a lot about Will and the type of person that he is and that he can see this in the robot. And he's trying to, you know, make it be known, not just his dad, because his dad, he doesn't even know about what has happened yet on the Resolute. Um, but he's doubtful of of the the robot. We see that in the beginning when John is hammering that that pole for the uh, perimeter fence, which was I thought a really funny scene. Um, and and you know he's distrustful of the robot, and Will just keeps trying to convince his dad. He's like, "It's okay, Dad. He's okay. He's okay. You don't have to be so distrustful of him." He does it again with Judy um, whenever she finds out you know the truth about the robot. And so I really love that about Will. And I think the robot does appear to have more human qualities and it feels like he almost does have feelings like us. And he went, and I thought it was so beautiful when he's like wanting to belong and be a part of a group. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, it got me in the feels and every time with this. And I love, again, we talked about when he raises his arms in victory, he's, he, he, he witnessed Will doing this after they had moved the rock, you know, Will's jumping around like, woohoo, you know, thinking he had something to do with it when it was really the robot that did it but it was so cute how the robot did it after he scared away whatever it was that was following them along in the forest and he's like yay victory i I just i feel like he's being he's observing the family after spending time with them and i just i don't know i want to get your thoughts how much how much human qualities or um Maybe not so much human, but it, it, he doesn't seem to be full robot. He seems to be almost robot slash um, alien like. So, what are your thoughts about? Yeah, I, I see it as being that. some kind of. I don't think it's like a, a built artificial intelligent robot. I feel like it's like this is some kind of being. Like it's a metal being. Like that's its flesh and bones, and you know it's you know somehow able to process things a certain or a different way. But yeah, it's it's a it's like a it's it's like a puppy that's lost. Like it just wants to belong and it wants to be part of this family. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole time when they're doing the Robinsons were here piece, like the robots watching. Like it looks like he's waiting for them to be like, "Oh, come on, you too. You're a Robinson too." <laughs> yeah, he wanted to be a part of it yeah. so bad. <laughs> do it, but he still at least went up at the end and put his handprint on there, which uh, that kind of got me in the feels a little bit. But Ugh. yeah. I, 
you know, I don't think this is just some artificial intelligent, like fake, you know, being like, I think this is an actual like conscious thing. Right. Cause he does seem to have thoughts and feelings. I don't think I'm not real happy with Dr. Smith right now and and what she's doing, but I, I do think that she has a point when she tells Will, she's like, oh, I don't know. I think he's saying a lot. We just don't know how to understand him yet. You know, we don't understand how he's communicating yet, but he's, he is communicating. And I, I think that, yeah, he is trying to communicate. They just don't know how to understand him yet because I, I think that he, he has been observing so much. And I think that he feels, he, he seemed to be very regretful. And this is going back, what was it, in the second episode when they found the robot mm-hmm. ship. And when he touched it, him and Will, and they seemed to share that connection where they saw what happened on the Resolute because the robot seemed to have forgotten, it seemed. And whether he did or not, when he he, he saw it, Will saw it, he seemed regretful. He was like, oh, I, I don't remember doing that. That's not me. And even Will's like, you know, that's not him. He's changed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he did that, but that's not him anymore. That's and, the um, thing I'm trying to figure out if it was actually him or if it's like his. Right. Were there others? Yeah, because he seems like, I mean, it seems like a little kid kind of thing. Like, it seems like he's an adolescent. And this whole right. thing was like like somebody else from his, I don't know, species, for lack of a better term, that did it. And they, like, have some kind of shared consciousness. Or what if he was under someone else's control? Oh, yeah. No, good point. That could be. I mean, he, he is technological to a point. Maybe he was under someone's control and he had no control mm-hmm. under what you know, over what was happening at that time when he attacked the Resolute. Like hypnotized or something like that? Could be. They could have just overtaken his circuits. I don't know. I'm not. I'm so not an IT person or a robot person. I don't know all the parts. But, you know, kind of overtaken him and um, was able to control him. And now that that connection's been broken, he's himself. Or, you know, he's free. He's conscious or, or aware um, or something. So... I don't know. Just just the whole sequence with the robot. I'm I'm really feeling it for the robot. Um, as far as you know, him wanting to be a part. Cause I I feel that that's what makes him seem human. Because that's what we all want as humans is that connection mm-hmm. with other humans. We all want to feel connected and feel like we want to belong. And it was so brokenhearted as he was trying to belong. And, and like you mentioned, it was so kind of sad and he's kind of watching them do their yeah. handprints and they didn't ask him, but he goes up and does it anyway because he does want to belong. And, and friggin' Dr. Smith, you know, sees that and uses that mm-hmm. and he just puts his head down. Oh my God. Yeah. I just wanted to friggin' ball like a baby. This damn show is getting me left and right. It's crazy. But how she was continuing her whole game of manipulation, even with a robot, she's doing it, you know, telling him you know, well, if you think that humans are, you know, telling him that humans are bad, they're going to turn on, turn on you. And even Will, who the robot clearly loves, he's got this connection with Will and he puts his head down and he looks so forlorn and sad. I just died. Um, and it made me wonder. So I know that Will told the robot not to hurt anyone else after he learned what the robot did. He's like, don't hurt anyone else. But Dr. Smith pulls a gun on him and he didn't do anything to her. So do you think that was really because Will told the robot not to, or do you really think that's because the robot is, isn't as harmful or as dangerous as what Judy and the rest of them are trying to make us believe? I mean, he, he just kind of jumped back almost yeah. a little bit, you know, I, he didn't, he I didn't get know. defensive. Like, I kind of feel like if you're in a situation where 
Will is threatened by Dr. Smith, he'd step in. This is like your dog. Like, you tell your dog not to bite somebody and you'd hope if you're attacked, your dog's going to bite the person attacking you. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not real sure about it. And I don't really recall him saying, hey, don't hurt anybody again. So I, I kind of missed that part. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think, too, uh, trying to go back. I, I think it was sometime after when they when Will had discovered what the robot did and I think he was telling him you're not like that anymore. I haven't, I didn't go back and watch it. I was just, I'm just now recalling from memory. Like, you know, you're not that person. It's okay. It's not you. And maybe during that time, he's like, just don't hurt anyone else. I don't know. And that's what I think. I know we had that conversation where it reminded me of, um, uh, the Terminator, uh, John and the Terminator in T2 where he's telling him, you know, you can't just kill people. Um, (laughs) But I just, I really hated that, how Dr. Smith, who's projecting her own experiences, you know, talking about how people will turn on you and how everyone's bad. Well, not everyone is bad. Not everyone is going to turn on you. Yes, humans aren't perfect and there are some bad humans out there, but they're not all bad. And I just, I really hated that. It really made me dislike her in this episode. That really ties into just my number one, but I think that's just her, like she's a con artist. She wants to use this robot somehow. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, the fact that she's like, oh, you know, people turn on you, humans turn on you. But then, like, in the sentence after that, she's like, but I won't because I'm different. Exactly. And that poor robot, he seems to just believe what she said. Yeah, it's like that, he doesn't know. And that's kind of why I was like, why would you listen to her? Like, Will's been with you this whole time. He's protected you against multiple people. Mm-hmm. Why would you listen to this person who you don't know? Or maybe you do know because she was on the ship. And maybe this is the whole kind of like a Don thing. Where, you know, he's got a, she's got a secret on him that she could share with the robot. Now Don has a secret on Dr. Smith. So it kind of plays yep. that whole I know that you know that I know type of situation. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Just bum me out because daggone it. It just this robot seems to have does seem to have a lot more human qualities than than just some sort of, you know, robot who doesn't have feelings or isn't adaptive or intelligence or able to observe and and he's not it's not like he's just mimicking what's no, happening yeah, yeah. He's, he seems to be able to understand you know when when will raises his arms in victory yeah we we'll move the rock um that he seemed to understand what that meant and yay i scared away the monster you mm. know he seemed to understand what that meant but it was cute when he was when he kept clapping for those flowers oh, but yeah. there were no flowers around as they're walking he's like no no it doesn't yeah, work like that yeah, so it's he, he's learning you know it's it was adorable so that's my number three i could go on and on about the robot all day long and how how it moved me um, this whole episode, but I got to cut it off somewhere. So what's your number two? All right. So my number two we already really talked about was Don. Uh, Don, Don, Han, Han Solo of Alpha Centauri. Don Solo. <laughs> Have you seen Solo yet? Uh, I'm seeing it tomorrow. Good, good. I'm interested to know what you think, so let me know. Um, cool. So my number two just... I'll keep it short since my number three goes on and on about the robot that I love so much. We got to give him a name. Hopefully they either give I, do, I hope yeah, we don't, I don't give him a name too. Yeah. If, if they don't give him a name soon, we're going to have to make something up. And, 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 uh, Sean, I might have to rely on you because you did come up with Steve the D yeah. from Stranger Things. So I might have to lean on you a little bit to help me come up with a good nickname for the robot if we don't get a name soon. Um, but my number two is the budding romances. Ooh, Yeah. 
Yeah. So we got a little, I thought it was really interesting. We got a little uh, meetup between Judy and Don West. Um, you know, she was clearly annoyed with him. Mm-hmm. You know, just she's like not impressed at all uh, with him or his chicken. Well, um, I felt like he was kind of like, he was testing the water. So he was like, you're a doctor? Well, how old are you? 17? 18? <laughs> oh. Okay. Whew. <laughs> Shoof, I'm in the clear. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't make that connection. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, I thought, oh, are we going to see? It was just a short little interaction. So nothing developed in this episode, but we have several more to go. So who knows what will happen? He's clearly going to be a part of the show. Um, so we'll see where that happens. But I just thought that that was a nice little meet cute between those two. And then we had Penny and uh, mm-hmm. VJ. Yeah. She, I think, was very interested in, I think she, I think keeping that envelope was a twofold. It was, one, I'm going to blackmail you, uh, which I admire her for, just a, you know, just a little bit, um, you know, to keep quiet about the, the robot. But it's also an excuse to see him yep. again. So I, I was like, yeah, Penny, you're a smart girl. So I, I, I thought that was super cute, that little interaction between them. It's uh, interesting because like... Uh, Don and Judy's was more of a like grown up kind of like starting off, mm-hmm. and then Penny and VJ was more of like a kid like oh well I have your toaster strudel so <laughs> if you want your toaster strudels back you're gonna have to come talk to me and hold my hand. <laughs> yeah, it was very um, playground. Yeah, exactly. Kind of romance. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm interested to see now that we're getting you know. Um, additional characters on the show and, you know, some more interaction outside of just the Robinson family, how, um, how that's going to change kind of the dynamics and maybe some, some little romance happening, uh, young love. We got the, got the parents and their uh, issues, yeah. but then we got the, you know, the young it's, love. It's the full spectrum. You start out, you know, puppy love, and then you get to the, you know, college age where it's like, Oh God, I guess we can date. And then you get right. the marriage. Life, it's like, Oh God. Uh, why are you still here? <laughs> right. So true. So true. But that's my number two. <clears throat> All right. So my number one was uh, mostly it was kind of like the deal with Dr. Smith. Um, so it's kind of just like she's really – and we talked a little bit about this already. But it's just she really saw her opening. So she gets the gun. And mm-hmm. I feel like she – you know, we talked about the robot destroying the ship. And like maybe he was under control. So I feel like she knows how to manipulate people. Maybe she feels she can manipulate this robot. So taking right. that opportunity to try and like get in there and take control of him somehow. Now again, I don't know if that's going to be a whole like uh, reprogramming thing or what. Um, but the other thing that was weird um, as they were talking about this, like you talk about Doctor Smith, like is she going to get a situation where because they said about this about the robot that every person uh, deserves a second chance. Mm-hmm. But like, as I was listening to this, I'm like, well, do you really want to give a second chance to somebody who murdered a whole ship of people? Yeah. I mean, you kind of like, there, I know. there's some things you're not like, well, I mean, he was a different person then. I mean, come on. How far do you take that? Everybody deserves a second yeah, chance exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. There is a point. I thought of that too. I was as much as what I love this robot and I've made no secret of that. That's for sure. Since we started uh, podcasting on lost in space, how much I love this darn robot. And that is a point when, when they're like, 
well, everybody deserves a second chance. And I was kind of like, well, he did kind (laughs) of wipe out a lot of people on the Resolute, you know. But I'm trying, like I said, maybe he was under the control of someone else. Maybe he, you know, that wasn't him or maybe it it was him and now it's not him. You know, he, he is at least some part uh, a technical being that maybe his circuits have been rewired and he is programmed. Maybe his programming to be evil or bad has somehow in this accident has been reversed and now he's not. I, I don't know. I, I, I hope hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that. I think that they're doing a good job about trying to kind of bring that story together. So hopefully we'll kind of learn exactly about that. And I think I'm just sitting here thinking about it. You were talking about Dr. Smith and her manipulation of the robot and using him for her own end game. I'm wondering if she's gathering notes and realizing herself as she's watching Will and this robot interact. Cause she's, you can mm. see her so in, in so many scenes, how she's just, well, she's laid back on the ramp of the ship yeah. and she's observing the interactions between uh, Will and the robot. But she does it in other scenes as well, where she's sitting back observing. And I think she also thinks the same thing that Will does because she because she comments a lot to Will. He really does do everything that you say, right? Because this robot has a um, blinding loyalty to Will. I think that she's trying to get this blind loyalty. Oh yeah, for sure. For the, from the robot to her side, so that robot will then go from protecting Will to protecting her because that's basically kind of what she says at the end. Like, well. I'm going to need this protection when I get there because people are going to find out she's not who she says that she is and she's going to need protection. So I don't know why I'm just now getting woke up to this fact and why it took <laughs> me this long to to figure this out watching this episode. But now I'm kind of seeing that she's observing this interaction and realizing that robot is an, an intelligent being. It's not just a robot that can't think for itself. It is thinking for itself. Mm-hmm. And if she can manipulate it to her side of things then she can take it away from Will and use it for her own purpose. And that really now makes me dislike her even more now. If that's she will possible. be Queen Smith of the new planet. <laughs> and then someone will be fanning her with feathers yeah. and feeding her grapes. <laughs> with my pleasure robot, robot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, they're putting it out there on Twitter. I'm just reporting it. That's true. We just, you know, we just report the news. We don't, we don't make the news. <laughs> don't kill the messenger. Um, that was a funny tweet. I would hope everyone saw that. That was funny. Um, that that's really good. Did you have anything else to say about your number one? I totally uh, hijacked. I'm hijacking no, you. No, tonight, you're Sean. Good. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that was just my last number one. So what do you have for your number one? Gosh, we've talked about it a lot already, so I'm not sure how much more there is to flesh out, but it was basically just finally learning the truth. Judy's the first to learn the truth mm. about what really happened, and I think it's going to be interesting to see the how that unfolds. This this Angela person that she's helping um, uh, that had been hurt, uh, she has this gnarly like scar wound yeah. on her back and that was icky and when john and marine were in the um oh in that piece of the resolute i don't remember what it was called but that it wasn't the satellite but it was that piece where they were finding all the parts and they were finding all of the like blaster shots like along the wall yeah. or whatever and then they find something that looks very similar to what was on angela's back this like scar gnarly looking thing that branched out um 
And they were like, oh, that was not caused by a meteor. So they're kind of piecing together something, you know, wasn't quite right. But we finally find out the truth. The truth is finally learned, not just, you know, Will keeping the secret. So I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. And and we've kind of talked a little bit. One of my question, questions was, is she right to be distrustful of the robot? But I think we've kind of explored that a little bit. Um, but I really liked how she was kind of experiencing for herself um, how helpful now that she knows the truth and how she's determined to tell her father about, you know, where the robot is and what 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 she's found out but she's also now seeing him for a person too because she keeps calling him it yeah and then in the end she calls um him so uh, i don't know how much more we can talk about because we've talked about it quite a lot about you know the the dynamic and learning the truth but i just thought that it was interesting that judy who seems to be the more scientific the more pragmatic Mm -hmm. uh you know person and you know she's I think if you can kind of change her mind a little bit, you might be able to sway other folks. Penny seemed to be like, you know, oh gosh, this happened. But then she was kind of like, well, you know, hey, he's helping us and he's been helping us. He's had an opportunity to kill us. If he wanted to kill us, he could have done it. Um, He knows where we sleep. Exactly. So, you know, and he's clearly protective of Will. So she was, I don't think, hard to win over. So I don't know. He's got all the kids behind him. So now we just got to get the parents. Um and ever, all the other survivors, because VJ recognized oh, him. Yeah. He he knows, so there's another person that knows. Doctor Smith knows, and but she's keeping things quiet just for her own benefit. Um, so I don't know. There there wasn't really much to add to my number one. So that's it. Do you have some notes? Uh, the only note I wanted to touch on is because uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit was Penny in this episode. There was a couple times Penny seemed a little... I can't really get a beat on her character. Like, There's times where she seems like she's the serious character that's going to kind of get the job done a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, she seemed a little ditzy. Like She mm-hmm. kind of did things just... It seemed a little bit out of character. Like I'm I'm worried they're going to put her too much as the comic relief. Because yeah. I kind of mentioned in the first few episodes, like I don't know if this is supposed to be a serious show or if it's supposed to be a, a little bit of a comedy or a mix of the two. I feel like they used Judy as like the serious stern, and now they're kind of throwing Penny in to be like, oh, it's lighthearted and family entertainment. Um, So I just kind of noticed that in a few spots where it seemed like she was just kind of throwing herself into situations for the the comic relief. I get that. Not that it's bad. Yeah, I loved her comic relief. It's just, I worry sometimes that it takes a lot to balance that stuff in a TV show. They're, They're doing okay right now, but I could definitely see it teetering too far one way or the other. That's true. I I think for now they are holding a good balance because she does seem pretty smart. She Mm -hmm. does seem, you know, to to know things and she's earned her place on that mission. And she knows, I think, pretty well what she's doing. But I also see the other side of that as well, where she could be a little too, you know, like you said, that she just has all the funny lines Mm -hmm. and too, too, too comedy. But I think I just think they're doing such a really great job. You were talking about, you know some of the things that she does, at least in this episode. I like it whenever she's talking to her mom on the radio. She gets really annoyed with her, and she just kind of drops the radio and lets it dangle yeah. in the air like that. And she's kind of rolling her eyes and stuff. And she's like, ugh, you know, and I, it just, it's hilarious. Total teenager. And I, I laugh because not only did I do that as a teenager, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I experienced that from my own child when she was that age. So it's kind of funny from both sides. Funny. I thought that was good. Do you have some other notes? Uh, nope, that was just my only note. Okay. 
uh, I have a, I think a few, I'm going to look through mine real quick to see what we haven't mentioned. I just trying to mark them as, as we went, we kind of talked about Alpha Centauri a little bit and, uh, what, what we don't know and what we saw at least. Um, I really like when Penny was catching up to Judy and Will and the robot in the woods and she runs up to them and it's like, she doesn't even care why they're outside. She's like, Hey, we're outside the fence. Yeah. And she just happened to be there and she, she just like, I don't know what we're doing, but I'm just happy to be here. And it's like, she just wants to break the rules. And that's what I love about her because she's, she's free spirited and she's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a rebel. And I love that about her. I really connect with her on that. So I, I love that about her. I thought that was super cute. Um, we talked about Don West and his comments about Alpha Centauri. Uh, talked a little bit about Penny and her blackmailing. I thought that was really funny um, and cute because I think it was an ulterior motive, of course. Um, I thought it was interesting um, whenever the batteries were drained from the chariot and it seemed to be a little bit of an alpha male pissing contest between yes. John and Don West. Both <laughs> arms crossed. What do you mean? Like, I <laughs> broke it. Right. He's like, oh, it's okay. It's not the first time I've seen, you know, uh, someone drain the batteries from me. He's like, you're saying it's my fault. So I think thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, ugh, you know, that male male pissing contest uh, doesn't leave Earth. Yeah, I know. Um, Dudes. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Um, I do like that d- despite whatever's happening between John and Maureen, that he has unshakable faith in her, yeah. um, you know, that he believes in her and how capable that she is in her leadership because she's, you know, this is after they discover that they don't have the syn- synthesizer to try to communicate um, and and get their signal boosted and, and and help them out, that this is gone. And she's like, well, what if this is all that I can come up with. What if there's no other plans? And he's like, I don't believe that, you know, for a second. So clearly they do have their issues, but he still has this belief in her. And I really, really like that. I think that speaks a lot about John's character. Um, Did you happen to catch when Don West was loading the chariot with his whiskey? Did you see the crown royal? Oh, no, I missed the Crown Royal. There nice. was a big case of Crown Royal next oh, to awesome. all those whiskey cases. And I was like, what? We got Crown Royal in is the that, future. Is <laughs> that your whiskey of choice? Um, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I know many, many people that do love Crown Royal, love a good Crown and Coke. Um, I'm not a brown whiskey drinker, to be honest. Uh, I can't. Gotcha. It, 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 it does not do good things for me. At all, so I stick to to white whiskey. Do you? Do you like Crown Royal, Sean? Uh, I'm more of a rum fan. So ah, I get it. Yeah, I I can I can do rum. I can do vodka. You get me on some brown brown whiskey, and bad things happen. I don't know. And it, I don't know. Just not good. We're just gonna leave it there. <laughs> oh, and I really liked the ending when the kids all uh, get home before their parents. Yeah, total I mean, like siblings. Uh, you know, getting in the Absolutely. back doors, mom and dad are pulling in. Absolutely hilarious and flawless. The parents are like, um, hello, where are you guys at? And Will's, you know, acting all casual in their, uh, looks like their cafeteria or, or whatever. Uh, one of them coming in from the, taking a shower. The other one, oh, we were just working out. And they're like, did anything happen while we were gone? Oh, it was so boring. <laughs> you know, I mean, if... They must have just been tired from their trip because any seasoned parent should, that should have raised a red flag, how obvious that was. But I just thought it was absolutely adorable. I love, I really love this whole cast and, and 
they're dynamic and and I really buy them as a family. I know I, I keep repeating that over and over again, but I'm really buying it um, so far. So I love that. That's all my notes. Nice. I like it. Yeah, it was Thanks. a good episode. Um, I kind of feel like this one, I did the last one where I'm like, oh, I don't really feel like I have to jump on the next one, but I'm still still invested. I'm very much invested. I did after this one. I do normally, even though I want to watch the next one after I finish them, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm okay. I can wait a little mm. bit. But this one, for some reason, really, I really had a hard time holding back. I was like, oh my gosh, I really <laughs> want to watch the next one. It's so hard to wait. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious for the next one uh, more than what I was before. So I'm super excited. So good top five, good notes. And with that being said, we have another word from our second sponsor of the evening. Yeah, so we've been talking about uh, Laux Leatherworks for the last couple of weeks, and it's still, if you want to check these guys out, go to their website. It's www.etsy.com slash shop slash Laux Leatherworks. It'll be in the show notes. And you can use the promo code STRANGE2018 to get all kinds of custom leatherwork, wallets, belts, uh, pretty much even custom stuff. You want some custom stuff done? You can email dlaux at lauxleatherworks.com and, and discuss some options there. But if you use that promo code STRANGE2018, you'll get $5 off anything you buy. And this is high-quality leather and high-quality stitching that will last you a long, long time. Love it. Thanks, guys. I love custom work. Oh, yeah. It's so much, I love like their, their heart and soul into it, getting it built. And it's, yeah. just, it's better than just getting something that you know, was on a factory. And, you know, factory yes. jobs are great and everything, but it's just a little bit more personable. Absolutely. I love a good, you know, hand quality, um, custom piece of work and it supports the little guys. Mm-hmm. I love supporting small business. So that's awesome. Thanks guys. Um, all right. Next piece is listener feedback messages from the resolute, even though they don't have a satellite dish, we're still getting messages. <laughs> so the first, first email that we have for tonight, um, says, hello, listening to the podcast and you are questioning the robot's memory. I have a thought. This robot is part of a shared consciousness, disconnected as they are far from home due to the black hole. It's adapting without the connection to the other robots. Mm. Just my thoughts. Loving the show. You're hitting all the shows on my watch list. Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Good to hear that. And I I don't know. I think he might have a good point there, yeah. Sean. What do you think? Uh, I really like that theory because when they're on the ship, we see a robot but there could be multiple robots on that ship. And maybe yeah. this one was the one left on the ship that got sucked into the black hole. Exactly. We don't know because I think they didn't they question that in this episode. Like, are there any, it might've been Judy because she's the inquisitive one and, and knows who the robot is, or at least is speaking out about who the robot is. And will know, will knew. Um, didn't she mention, are you, are there any more of you or something like that? Or maybe she it was, might have asked the question. Yeah. Maybe it was Dr. Smith. I don't know. Someone I feel asked him that question. Are you the only one? Cause maybe it wasn't him. It's true. We don't know. He was anyway, just, he was, he's the Don West of the robots. <laughs> he's, he's the, the cute rogue, the scoundrel <laughs> of the, of his robot family. But that's a really good thought. Yeah, Thank I you, like Brandon. For that, this is why I love getting feedback from all you guys. Please keep writing in because uh, there's so much to think of, and we are only two people. We can't think of everything, so we always appreciate your contributions and writing in. So thanks um, for all of your feedback, guys. We love it. Yep, thanks everybody. 
All right, so next week we'll be covering the fifth episode from Lost in Space titled Transmission. So as the Mm. team builds a tower to signal the Resolute, Maureen investigates a planetary anomaly and Will braces for a tough conversation with his dad. Oh, I'm going to tell him about the robot and then I'm going to be really sad. I'm going to be crying. Dad, the dog bit the cat. Row. I'll save all my tears for before the show. I promise I won't cry (laughs) on the show. Anyway, we're really excited for you to join us on Jupiter 2 while we're traveling through space. You can follow us on Twitter at Strange T Cast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger Cast. And you can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. Yeah, we're all over the TV Time app. We are. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead Cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcast. Absolutely. And speaking of great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out every Sunday. Yeah, still coming out like clockwork. Like clockwork. You can always count on it, rain or shine. It's there. (laughs) Um, The equivalent of the podcast mailman. (laughs) Right. reliable. Except we come on Sundays. There's nothing wrong with being reliable. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 39. The Robinsons were here. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Brandon Schmidt is strange indeed. Will said when he found you, you were in pieces. Wounded. If only I'd gotten there sooner, it could have been me. I should have made all this a whole lot easier. Don't worry, it won't hurt you. Just like I know you would never hurt me. Well, I made sure of that. I told you never to hurt anyone. Ever. Turns out that's a bit of a problem. See, I can't go back to the wrestling without some protection, the kind that only you can provide. But if we're going to work together, I need you to have all your options on the table.